Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you today. I'm very pleased that we have, uh, it's Monday, so we got Seb the Sebinator is always good to have with us and uh, very excited. We're coming in from all sorts of areas. We got a parking (laughs) lot. We got a hotel room. We are grooving. So (laughs) first things first, uh, while I give my little diatribe, I want everybody else to make sure you're liking the show, hitting the subscribe button, hitting notification bell, doing all that grand stuff. And then uh, I'm going to continue on with the whole concept of we are not doctors. So anything we do talk about is going to be our, oh, he's getting comfy. I like I've, I've never sat down in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had an office. I haven't had a chair in my office in, in over a decade. So this is like almost refreshing. There you go. He's, he's chill. He's relaxed. It's part of being resilient, I guess. Uh, so yes, we are not doctors. Anything we do talk about is our own personal uh, experience or anecdotal stuff from what we have been able to read and come up with if uh if you have any questions or concerns absolutely throw them into the comment section and we will toss them up and get them in uh into the show and answer the questions and all that good stuff um i think that's about it it's not mental health month anymore so we don't really have to talk about that stuff which is great but we're gonna anyway so (laughs) the topic for today pillars of resilience and uh it was actually Seb gave me this idea that we should sit down and talk about this. And I was like, we absolutely should. Um, Now I have a little definition as to what the five pillars of resilience are, or do you want to take it off the hop there, Seb? No, go ahead. Okay. All right. So here we go. The five pillars of resilience are self-awareness, mindfulness, self-care, positive relationships, and purpose. These pillars work together to increase our ability to bounce back from the stresses, trauma, and difficult situations that are a part of life. By strengthening these pillars, we are becoming more resilient, and as a result, we are much more equipped to manage those stresses in our lives. So that's the very basics across the board. Anybody, any thoughts on those for on those five first, and then we can Mm -hmm. break them down. What do you got, Seb? Yeah, so this isn't quite across the board. Those pillars are, are a little bit different in that they, they seem to get a little bit deeper in the, in the subset of some of the actual pillars, which are spiritual, mental and emotional, physical, and those realms. So there's, there are some theori- theoretical acts to grind with some of those, some of the pillars and the different definitions. So, but they're, they're all, within the same world like operating you know operating world so to speak and so all of those are extremely valuable and and, and obviously necessary to 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 bounce back right for sure it's just just it's not it's not an end all be all like all those pillars are the pillars there's additional things that need to be that need to be considered but they all tie into each other uh that makes sense sean you got any thoughts yeah sorry and where did the five pillars of resistance come from so uh resilience i pulled it off oh, sorry, of, uh, yeah yeah i pulled it off of the wellbeingproject.co.uk and okay. they had a whole they have a whole uh things whole here pillars so, whole have, pillars several pillars they have pillars yes exactly you could call them silos you can call them whatever you want but i think really what it comes down to is you know as seb said there's it's kind of actually you know thinking about it it's almost like the the old four elements the yep. fire earth air water kind of deal in that there are different realms that we all need to build resilience in. So sure. I think that's where we're going. So let's, do you want to dive into some actually Seb, why don't you give us a rundown of the four that you brought up and then we can mm-hmm. compare and contrast. 
Yeah, I mean, we can go. We can just go. We can just go one at a time. Sure. So, I think. You know what we're talking about? What we're talking about? Um, physical. I think it's important. Let's start with this because this is one of the most misunderstood concept is, is that anything that we do that impacts us is impacted further if the physical falls off. But also the first inclination of most people when things go wrong is to let the physical slide. And so now you're compounding issues. And so it's important to understand that the four pillars of resilience as in the, the ones that I named are actually the four pillars of recovery. So when an, when a, an occupational stress injury or, or even a trauma, like a life-induced trauma occurs, they're the same pillars that are going to be tapped into in order to recover from whatever predicament you were in. And so that begs the question, and I digress, I, I, um, I'm diverting a bit here, but bear with me for a sec. And so if you have those four pillars, and you, you are, you know, implementing all the healthy mechanisms within those pillars, and you do so preemptively, you're far ahead of the game. If you wait for an action to, to happen or for something to take place in order for you to start sort of zeroing your life in that direction, you're a little bit late. It's not that it's too late, but it's late. It's, it's reactive, and when it's reactive, it's harder. And now you're going to be in a different mindset. You're going to be affected you know, mentally and emotionally, and it will be harder to do it with some clarity and stoicism, right? To have mm. the ability to, to, to maximize and so critically important to start living your life, investing in those very pillars, each of the four banks. So I picked the physical to begin with. Physical is, you know, when, when I hear the old, I, you know, I, I want to get back on the, ban, on the bandwagon or, or, or I need to get back in shape or, or I need to, you know, whatever the case may be. The fact is, and, and I've said this before, we should never, we should never get off the bandwagon. Like that is a fundamental skill, just like fitness is a fundamental skill for some of the most high speed jobs out there. It actually having a base fitness level, i.e. a fundamental health is the, is the fundamental for our, our health and our capacity to be well on the day to day. So if you're only, if you're only looking at fitness as some sort of extra that you get to do in your life from time to time when everything goes well, you're doing it wrong. It's important to continuously seek to be better in the physical realm as well as any other realm. So that means hitting the gym, going to yoga, whatever that mean, that means for you. And if you have, if you're lucky, you might have something in your life that brings you a physical piece and it works hand in hand with your mental and emotional piece. Some people love to go on long runs so that they can just take their minds and, you know, kind of let it wander or they, they, it helps them with focus. Some people love the mats because it puts them in a, in a, in a fight-like or a combat-like situation where they're able to stop thinking about other things and focus on what they need to do to get themselves out. So everybody has their, their, own, their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, you got anything? Yeah, you know, uh, just getting off the ferry uh, just a little while ago uh, and observing people on the ferry and what I was thinking uh, on this subject right now, I wasn't thinking about the subject while I was on the ferry, but I'm reflecting on the ferry ride. And I'm thinking that I didn't see much resilience. What I did see was quite a lot of soft people. And so, uh, you know, well, what is resilient? Is it physical resilient, mental? This, What is resilience? Uh, how I would like to view it right now is, uh, well, what isn't resilient? 
and it's a lot of society. And so uh, my observation was this, and, and I know it's going to probably uh, irritate some people, but uh, I saw a lot of soft people that were flaring out through their clothing or mm -hmm. through their hair or through their fashion. And uh, they were trying to be, um, they were trying to uh, be recognized for their bright orange hair uh, with some blue streaks in it. And so uh, rather than um, rather than being uh, made aware or, or, or rather than being observed by people for uh, strength or for um, confidence or for being able to sit still and just hold your space uh, in, in a quiet state, what I saw was a bunch of people trying to gain attention. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... When I see that kind of thing, when someone is self-conscious because they don't have uh, self-confidence, uh, then they tend to flare out with fashion or with talking way too loud or making a little dramatic moment uh, for the entire ferry trip. And uh, if they weren't so soft, if they were resilient, uh, I, I think they'd be able to hold their space a whole lot uh, quieter, a whole lot more at peace. And so if you are resilient, to my point, you aren't fussed by too many things. You don't get upset by too many things. You don't, you don't have to get all crazy if you are resilient because there's nothing out there that's going to phase you too much. And so resilience contrasted against absolutely not resilient should help categorize, well, what are we talking about? Because we can hypothetically talk about uh, going onto the BJJ mats and you know you get your rolls in and then you get harder, you get tougher, you get stronger, you get better at adversity and blah, blah, blah. But no one sees the mats. No one, there's a pile of people who barely know what the mats look like. But what we do see on a constant basis is people walking up and down the sidewalk or people walking around a city or people on a ferry. And you don't know if they roll or not, unless they look confident, unless they look strong, unless they look like they've dealt with adversity. And you can see that you can smell it from a mile away. If someone is just holding their space confidently, you know they're resilient because you know they've faced adversity. Because in order to face adversity, you gain confidence. And so pillars of resilience, I like to contextualize it against who is absolutely not resilient. So you can gain that uh, bandwidth understanding. Does that make sense? Hmm. I like that. It's um, <clears throat> so, like, it's similar to being able to see the table for without the legs or seeing the, uh, the forest for, can't see the forest through the trees, right? We, we could talk about the forest as a whole, but until you actually break down what the trees are and how those things inter intermix amongst each other, we can't really discuss <laughs> resilience as a whole because you don't. Right. Well, what is resilience? Well, we contextualize it through what is the opposite of resilience, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's see the ops. And again, I like your point. Um, you got something to say, Seb? You look yeah, like no, I, I was, I was, you know, I had this this thought that came through my mind that comes from somebody that we all respect tremendously by the name of Bruce Lee. And one of the things that he was talking about was if imagine all powerful you can be if words don't hurt you right and that and here's another example to, to sean's point about 
we live in a society of victim right now where words are hurting people and, 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 and we haven't even starting to get into the physical realm because we're so comfortable here. We don't even have a clue. But imagine if we transpose that comfort that we lived here in the West Hemisphere and went somewhere else where there's actual hardship that comes along with life. Um, you know, that would be, and that's circumstantial hardship, not, not just whatever is going on through your life. So you're still getting whatever is going on through your life, but also your circumstances are such that your life is ridden with adversity, mm-hmm. which is very, very comfortable, right? So now we're so comfortable that we worry about little things like words and, yeah. and, 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 you know, anyways, I digress. Just in line no, I don't, I don't think you do digress. Yeah, I, I, I think, so. in, I think, you know, you know go ahead, Chance. I, I was going to say the same is that I don't think you're digressing at all is that it's actually to the point <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah. It's to the point in that uh, I had Corey over last night, Corey hat. He was uh, yeah. hanging out at my house and I cooked him a beautiful uh, elk tenderloin. Elk tenderloin. Oh, so I, I, it'd be so nice if I had one. It would. Yeah. If you came Whatever. over to my house, you're sure. Man, on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be resilient here. The uh, anyway, we had, him, had him over and we were talking, we were kind of chatting and uh, I was saying, you know, uh, I, I'm so glad I don't have to dig trenches anymore because, you know, it sucks. And we started talking about like trench warfare and all these things we're talking about um, overseas going on right now. Uh, but my wife looked at me and she's like, what are you talking about? I got lots of gardening. You're going to be digging trenches all day. And I'm like, and both Corey and I both looked at her kind of the same way. Like those, are, that is not the same, <laughs> but uh, uh, like I'll dig a garden all day long before I start digging trenches. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we uh so i started describing you know the basics of it and i was like it's not just about digging a hole you got to dig a hole with straight walls and it's got to be up to the armpits of the tallest person which is usually this guy <laughs> and the uh the little the guys who are smaller than me they're gonna have to go through a bit of resilient checks throughout digging that hole as they keep going lower and lower and lower and lower and then they got to build themselves stairs and so on and so forth um but i think it goes to your point in that most of Western society doesn't know what it's like to dig a trench, let alone live in a trench, let alone fight out of a trench. You know, like, and da, 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 da. so we're not even at step one of resilience of just understanding the basics of it because we've never had to. Oh, and that. further to that, by the way, as uh, as everyone's out there imagining uh, digging a trench, whether they've dug one or not before. Chances are their first thought was digging it in summer. And my first thought yeah. was digging it in the middle of February and then living in it. It's hellish. It is not good. You can you can dig an inch an hour because the ground is so frozen. And so, um, you know, the idea being that everyone has their own little life experiences that then they contextualize the, the subject of resilience against. And so if we're using the trench example, your wife thought about flowers. A bunch of people thought about digging a, a nice soft trench in a nice soft summer dirt. And then a bunch of people uh, are, are clueless. And then there's a small handful who are thinking about digging a trench under effective enemy fire. And so contextually, it all depends on what you've done in your life or where you've been or what you've seen or what you've heard and, and whether it sank in or not, sank into mm-hmm. your head so that you can understand that massive bandwidth of whining versus not whining and uh if you've if you've only seen trenches on the movies well i mean you're probably gonna be real quick to whine about uh, when someone hands you a shovel 
But if you've had a shovel in your hands so many times, you can't, you couldn't, you could rename the shovel Sean. Well, I mean, then you have a different understanding of what trenches are. And again, a lot of these subjects are contextual, but I don't want to overlook the term resilience as if it's just a Webster's dictionary word that we can all nod and agree that, oh, we all now understand what it means. Because a lot of us, aren't seeing uh, the subject through the same set of eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we understand, you know, sort of theoretically what it means, but theoretical world and, 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 and where the wheels meet the pavements are two different things. It's, it's, so the definition doesn't really change the interpretation of the definition based, That's right. on, based upon the context of each person, right? So I, I totally agree with that. I, I, I dig that. One of the things that I suppose we could mention is that there is there is such things and uh just as far as the reference goes for these four pillars of resilience that we spoke about here that i brought on they're from the american psychology association so uh i'm I, you know those guys are pretty squared away um but one of the thing one of the the, the the phenomenon that goes on with physical and the mental and the emotional is called the psychosomatic right where something mm -hmm. will cause so much issue mentally and emotionally that it will eventually affect you physiologically. And this is real. The people give themselves cancer. People can cause so much stress that it can create ulcers and all kinds of things. And so preemptively being in the right uh, sort of physical condition predisposes you to deal with challenges better to begin with. And that's just, you know, as a preemptive, uh, as a preemptive course of action. If you are doing it during struggle, it keeps you sane. If you're doing it after, it helps with recovery. And so having healthy life mechanisms when it comes to your physical fitness, your physical abilities, your wellness is, 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 a, is a fundamental piece, as, as, as mentioned earlier. But it has to be upkept. That's the last thing you should be skipping. Yeah. Uh, something comes to mind. Chance, could you do me a favor? And could Absolutely. you pull up that video that uh, Tanya sent us that we were going to discuss uh, uh, several days ago, we just never got around to it. And it was uh, all those fake uh, panic uh, moments where yes. the lady just walks in and starts faking out like there's a, a monster in the house or whatever. Oh, yeah. And and the guy reacts like, uh, you know, like it's so embarrassing. And it uh, it's the epitome of zero resilience, almost. You know what I mean? It's, it's just so ludicrous uh, some of the responses but it speaks to general not not all society because it's mostly western society that is uh, is exceedingly soft nowadays i can think of many countries that are way harder than north america but uh, ironically our north america thinks it's the hardest uh, continent uh, in the world which is i don't know i'd put it uh, uh, the last uh, actually <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're pretty soft. We're the, we're the worst. Yeah. Uh, I, I will absolutely pull that up. Just take mm, me a second to sure. to get it. But um, <clears throat> I do want to throw these up real quick before we get into the next uh, portion. Martin Dominic, what's up, boys? Hey, Good to see you, buddy. Up, and uh, KH, Arctic Warfare, a very long four months. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. So when you start, I never did the Arctic Warfare. I know a bunch of people who did it and they came back telling stories and I was like, Fun and times, that's, fun that's times. Bullets fired at you. Just imagine, yeah. like in last year in the winter, there's all kinds of trench trench fighting footage from Ukraine, and holy man, 
Yeah, yeah. it does not sound yeah. fun. I mean, thank goodness I've never faced uh, that kind of uh, situation because it, it looks diabolically heinous. Uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, to contextualize it as an example, we jumped into uh, Alaska uh, way back in the day, and uh, we were up for or opposing force for a, a large American contingent up in Alaska uh, at uh, Fort Wainwright, Camp Wainwright. And... Um, and because we were enemy force, I mean, we were just used to doing our thing and we're pretty hard charging. And uh, the um, the force, the, the friendly force, we'll say, that was supposed to be defending against us was a very large American contingent. I, I, I don't know any other way to categorize it other than they were literally out of their element. They A large chunk of the contingent had flown up from Florida. Oh, wow. This is like January, man. Yeah. And it was freaking freezing. And, uh, and I remember uh, our commanding officer, I was with the PPCL at the time, PPCLI at the time, uh, when I remember in the pitch black, like an Arctic wolf, looking at these uh, victims that I was just about to get after. And uh, they were so wholly unprepared. It, it could be a Wikipedia definition. And so when I, when I hit that uh, tent line, just tent after tent after tent, all laid out perfectly symmetrical because that's the best way that you can deliver the rations every day you know tent to tent to tent don't want to put anyone uh, uh, out of the rhythm basically i ran through uh, right down that entire tent line slashed every tent line did a a fish hook slashed all the other tent lines as i as i went by and then i laid the boots to anyone who started moaning i mean we put the boots to those boys and uh, i mean it, it's not war so you dodged a bullet. We're opposing force and we're demonstrating that y'all suck right now. And so uh, their resilience, to my point, was this. Screw this, I'm going back to bed. Not a one of them got out of their tent to uh, defend their position or go on the offensive or whatever. They just freaking quit. We had to uh, stop the assault because they weren't, they weren't responding in a way that was uh, appropriate for the moment. They just went back to bed. And uh, of course, it was a it was a topic of conversation for the remainder of that month that we spent up in Alaska. It was it was embarrassing for that uh, organization, as far as I was concerned. But again, back to resilience. Who are you, and what have you faced in the past? Well, if you just if you're a Florida boy and you've never seen snow, chances are snow is hard on you. Don't even think about warfare because snow is hard for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Uh, I got that video. If we want, you want me to throw it up right now and we can discuss it? Yeah, for sure. Good. Okay, here we go. We're going to throw it up on the screen and we will get it rolling. Okay, so this is the invisible danger prank, apparently. And people think this is funny, but uh, funny. yeah, here we go. <laughs> can you expand that in any way? Or uh, No, I, it's got, I have to share the screen itself. I can't get it okay, okay. open. But as you can see, it's uh, it's just sheer panic. Sheer panic. It's in basically what you're way. seeing is a lady walk in and pretend that there's something going on. And then the man just freaks out like there's an invisible monster. Yeah. And they and the funny thing I think about this whole thing is that there's just people don't know what to do. Like you can really actually see the uh, fight, flight, freeze situation. Right. And it's like flight instantaneously. Well, they have no idea what's going on. So there is yeah. nothing to do. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm picturing myself in each of these moments, and and the initial surprise is like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna not flinch, but I'm gonna steal up, and then I mean, that guy who was just uh, waving his hands like he was a chicken—that's insane. <laughs> I mean, his response was this, and he he just froze. I mean, what is even going on? You know, they're uh. ghost fighting. <laughs> I I I watched this ten times over, and I killed my. <laughs> I watched it twice, and that, I could only do two because I just I, I I lost faith in humanity there for a second, you know. Yeah, there's like I I agree with you, Sean. There's an initial reaction, right? There's a little bit of fear, or a little bit of a uh, startle response. response. Yeah, startle yeah. response. There we go. Um, arousal, arousal response. Arousal response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there we mm -hmm. go. And uh, outside and of it, that, though. <laughs> the, the, it's it's the after effect it's the you know 10 to 15 seconds of just like absolute frozen or complete flight or a few other things it's uh it's but that actually, is not resilient definitely not resilient no, and and why isn't resilient because you know the guy who was sit there he, he looked like he he was carrying a lot of extra weight so he's not a physical specimen he looked i mean he looks soft to me which means that he hasn't faced enough adversity and and his response kind of played out in my quick visual snapshot of him, a categorization, call it profiling, if you will. But when I saw that guy responding, that's how he's going to respond for the rest of his life. Frozen in the moment, flapping his hands like a chicken for as long as it takes until someone steals his wallet or clips him upside the head and drags him off to the cannibals. I mean, the lack of resilience comes out of a lack of adversity, which comes out of a lack of physical training, which comes out of a lack of mental training, which is the loop of chicken boy. I mean, that is the direction that society is going as a whole. You can dye your, your hair any color you want. That doesn't increase your resilience. That doesn't make you more ad, uh, better to deal with adversity. Uh, and so throwing on a, a Velcro patch on your sleeve does not increase your resilience. Uh, and so I, I see a lot of uh, proxies or a lot of shortcuts or a lot of does absolutely nothing for you other than appease your mind to make you feel like you're now the punisher. Uh, and that is absolutely not the case uh, in most uh, instances. That's a good point. <laughs> Anything to add, Seth? Yeah, good to go okay uh so i got a comment here salty drink says we are we as westerners mistake money and comfort for resilience like you've said it takes leaving it to um takes leaving it to grasp the i'm not sure how we, how that's supposed to be worded salty might want to <laughs> work on that the uh how dark the world is outside the lenses of the media yeah it is i think we're sheltered from it and it goes back to something very similar to um, I was talking with a, a friend of mine, they were talking about their kids and they're like, oh, you know, I don't really want to do that because, you know, I, I don't want to break the the spirit. We were talking about uh, the Easter bunny and they were like, yeah, it, they're about that age. They're starting to figure out that doesn't exist. And like, eh, I guess I probably shouldn't have just broken that. But even then, uh, there's a concern for somebody else's fantasy uh, fantasy yeah that uh you know and they don't want to hurt even just that little bit that concept let alone the physicality of everything else and it's uh i told my daughter i i told my daughter i said look i'm not going to tell you if the tooth fairy is real or not but what you're gonna do is next time you lose a tooth put it under your pillow and don't tell anybody 
see if she comes to visit you. <laughs> she wakes up the next morning and I get a text from my ex-wife. She's like, way to ruin the tooth fairy. <laughs> My my family still talks about uh, how I ruined uh, uh, Christmas for the boys when I just when I looked at the uh, gas fireplace and said, "Do you think Santa Claus comes down that?" <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I get I get it for like four or five or six year olds, yeah. maybe set. You know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, no need to uh, burst the fantasy bubble when they're that young. No. But at a certain point, we all hey. have to grow out of our fantasies. I think that's a that's a great point. Um, and kind of it leads into those next pillars of resilience, right? Like there's the physical side of it, but there's also the emotional side of it. There's also the the spiritual side of it, I think you said as well. Yeah. And then what was the fourth one? Social. Or, social. There you go. But th that's all part of it, I think, is that it's a as you grow up, those fantasies start to get removed, right? You start you stop thinking of the world in terms of a fantasy realm. And you start thinking of more of the physical realm. And if you, if, if there is no break in that, if you go into um, teenage and adulthood with all of these fantasies still in place, you're not prepared to manage the actual physical side of the world because everything is still fantasy to you. And uh, I think that's, I mean, I struggled with that. I look back on my life before I joined the military where I started actually having some serious adversity that I had to deal with. And it was full of fantasies all over the place. You know, even into my uh, late teens and 20s when I, before I joined up there, I look back and, oh man, I had all kinds of <laughs> fantasies as to the, how the world worked that didn't, that it doesn't. And wow. it's, uh, it's a hard wake up. But once you actually see those things, um, it allows you to develop in, into that next realm, I think. And if you, cause, because if you're stuck in the fantasy realm, there's no way you can deal with the physical realm. If you can get into the physical realm, then you can start looking into the metaphysical realm. Then you can start looking to the next, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and go down the path. So I think that's part of it. Any there thoughts? Are, for, yeah, there are, there are a couple of things there. One is uh, there's to this, I mean, currently, there's grown men who still have a Peter Pan complex. They, they think they're Peter Pan. I mean, uh, and then the other aspect is, uh, let's say someone uh, as a six-year-old uh, all of a sudden realizes there's no Santa Claus and uh, and now they're moving uh, uh, towards adulthood and then maybe they get out of their fantasy world and they start uh, interacting with the real world. Then they maybe start facing some adversity. Maybe they start developing some resilience and then they get out of the army and then they just stop and then they get softer. And so I don't think it's it's a case of at the age of six, you just simply do this linear trajectory that goes straight up to the uh, Peter Pan moon. Uh, I think that uh, there's some ebb and flow unless you are consistently focused and disciplined on always striving to be more resilient. And the word resilience is barely in uh, um, most people's language. They they just they don't pursue it. They don't pursue res resilience. Uh, but... Uh, if you're not pursuing it, then what are you doing? Are you counting on the fact that, and this is this is just out to the internet, are you counting on the fact that you spent a period of time in uh, serving your country, as an example, and then uh, once you get out of that service, uh, somehow it's an investment that uh, grows? 
like a, like a TFSA or some sort of uh, ETF uh, where you invest an amount of money and then sit back and, and it starts doubling itself every 10 years. That's not how resilience works. Mm -hmm. Resilience doesn't have a, uh, a return rate uh, if you just sit on your hands and do nothing. What it actually does is someone starts uh, clawing back some of that uh, investment that you sat on and uh, slowly erodes it. And if you're not paying attention, pretty soon you're bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And then you, then you owe someone a debt. And uh, that debt is your mind. That debt is to yourself. And that debt, some people can't pay. And uh, then you've got someone who is so non-resilient and they're struggling so hard against the softest breeze of the wind that then they start considering alternatives uh, because of their mental health that is uh, dragging them down into that deep, dark hole, as it were. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really, that's really on point, Sean. It could, in my opinion, it couldn't be more on point. I think a lot of people think that resilience is externally induced. And to a certain extent, it is correct that adversity, which is one of the mechanisms by which resilience increases, is, is often externally induced. But it can also be internally induced, as we all know, by doing things that are uncomfortable, by doing things that are hard, by doing things. And so there is, and, 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 and to think that there is, no, there is no benefiting from the internally induced adversity versus the externally induced adversity, the body really doesn't make a difference in that. But for you, when you're negotiating something difficult and you've, been, you've put yourself through the ringers on so many times, that is going to be where you draw your perspective from. And we don't have perspective if we're not exposed to anything or if we don't do the proper research to find it. And even if we do, if we've never felt it, it won't have the same impact. Whereas if you have internally induced adversity and, and you're able to, 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 to seek perspective within yourself, you don't need any external factors whatsoever to realize that the predicament that you're in, in comparison to some of the things that you have done, is nothing or that it's that it will be over, that you have the ability to overcome it and so waiting there sitting you know waiting for resilience to increase is 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 an absolutely failed strategy it does it doesn't work that is not how this works and so it is important that we do things that increase our resilience internally so when the external world hits us we can get the perspective from within to deal with the external factor. And once we have dealt with the external factor, it gives us another a set of perspective that's now even stronger because it came from, the, it came from some, something that was completely out of your control. And it came in and it hits you and you bounce back. So now you have a, a, a bit of self-confidence that builds around that also. But sitting there waiting for resilience to increase, good luck. Yeah, it's not an investment, man. It's not an investment. You 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 got to earn every day to put it in the bank of resilience. Yeah. You know it, what? What I love to do with my life, and I, I know Sean, you and I have had this conversation lots before. But every chance I I find myself in a very very uncomfortable situation by way of anything, and that's a daily operation. I will purposefully sit there and suck it up. Like I, when I say suck it up, I don't mean suck up the pain that's associated with it i mean suck suck up the event like whatever is happening right now so that i can i can actually test myself in that i'll give you an example of this a couple of weeks ago i'm at the gym i'm just about to start a workout everything's peachy my trainer calls me from the bike and some some 
freaking blood curling, a blood curling uh, scream comes from outside. So I run outside. There's three kids that are frozen. They're all going to be NHLers. They're frozen looking at this guy that's on the ground in absolute pain. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, we don't know. So I, I go to him and I go, okay, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Find out that his hip is dislocated. Okay. So his hip is dislocated. He's all sideways. Start doing a bit of an assessment. Long story short, I had him under traction. So he needed to be, he needed to have traction on his hip because as soon as you released it, mm. he lost his mind. Mm. So I sat there, I sat there uh, on my sciatic on the side of my leg. That's, you know, obviously not good. And I was, I had him under traction and the first, it was, we called the ambulance and they said, okay, the ambulance will be there in 10 minutes. And then it was 15 and 20 and 30 and 40. After 10 minutes, my back was fully lit up, lactic mm. loaded, everything hurt. My leg was absolutely useless. And I felt like I need somebody to take this over, but this isn't happening at all. I'm going to stay here, keep him under, under tension. And I stayed there for every single minute for an hour and 55 minutes until the Crazy. ambulance woke up. And so the, the point I'm making here is during that hour and 55, there was an hour and 45 that wanted to let go. Like for an hour and 45, I wanted to let go and somebody else to replace me. But I saw it as a impromptu opportunity to test my gut, my mental fortitude, to test my, my ability to stick it, to test my ability to stay there and make it happen. And then it was such a confidence builder because I haven't done anything that physically demanding in, in a couple of years now, right? And you start, at, to, to Sean's point, yeah. you start going down a bit. And so it allowed me a platform to re, for myself to reinforce it to me that when the going gets tough, I'm capable of sticking it. And that was a, that was a critical piece for me on that day. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, no, nobody nobody um, saw you do that, uh, other than maybe some passersby who took some photos and then kept on walking. Um, the only person that probably is aware of it uh, is you. Uh, but but that moment uh, then delivers you to the world for another year. You know, you you now have a certain um, a certain feeling within yourself, a certain self confidence, a certain reaffirmation of you're good to go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and that's important because, um, I, I'm going to make a, uh, I'm going to make my point through a quick story from today on the ferry, just as we were about to get off the ferry. Um, I, I said to Keegan, Hey, uh, just going to use the bathroom and, uh, meet down at the car. And then we're busting off up to Campbell river. So I was in there, uh, as I walked in, I saw a guy with a green backpack on a standard issue five eleven pack. And there was a cherry, a set of cherry jumper wings on there. So for those who don't know, it's a set of Canadian jump wings, military, and it's got a red maple leaf in the middle, unlike a silver maple leaf for someone who was in an operational unit, et cetera. And so I saw the cherry jumper wings and I pulled up to my stall and I'm doing my thing. And, and I glanced over and I said, Hey man, uh, what's with the cherry jumper wings? And, uh, he said, uh, oh yeah, I, I served. I said, yeah, I can see that. Uh, who are you with? And he said, well, I was, uh, I was blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I was with the RCR and I said, bro, RCR, are you kidding me? PPCLI pal all the way. <laughs> and, uh, we both kind of laughed and he said, oh yeah, I saw you walking. Uh, I saw you walking through the ferry, uh, with your Pathfinder shirt on. And I said, uh, yeah, you probably saw me walking around with a little bit of attitude. And, uh, and he said, no, you were walking around like a Pathfinder. And that's the thing, man. I mean, if you've been in the game, if you've done hard things, you just walk, walk a certain way, you look a certain way, you see a certain way, you smell, a, 
a certain way, you hear a certain way. You're just a different person if you faced a boatload of adversity and you believe in yourself. Whereas there's a lot of people who have faced zero adversity in respect to contextualizing against like freaking hard adversity. And um, they're walking around looking at their shoes. They won't look people in the eye. They are hiding uh, hiding out of sight in the stairwell because they, they don't want to be around people because inside they're scared. Mm -hmm. uh, they they haven't faced enough adversity to get resilient, to be resilient in the world. Now, there's a difference between being resilient in the world and emanating resilience. And I guess I emanate it. I don't know. I don't try to, like, laser blast everyone with uh, my my self-confidence. But I'm a freaking confident guy, man, uh, in, in respect to the average day. Doesn't mean I can one-leg hop up Everest. I can't. But I'd give it a go. I would give it a go. And if I failed, so be it. But I'd only fail if I died. Because uh, if someone says you got to do it, I'm going to freaking give it my best until I got no breaths left in me. And that is the distinction between uh, how, how much you're in the game and how much you think you can put into the game. Uh, Seb, uh, I had a meeting with uh, someone in uh, my hometown of Rosalind uh, just a few days ago before I came out on this. First name, Matt. And he was off to go do a thing. And he said, hey, you got any tips? We sat down uh, for about an hour and a half to talk about what he was about to enter into. And I'm not going to say everything that I said to him, but I, I summed it all up with this with a final sentence. And I said, hey, man, all I want to hear is you, you go as hard as you can and you're going to go hard enough that you'll die. Freaking yeah. prepare to die, man. Yeah. It, don't quit. Mm -hmm. Die. Mm -hmm. So you're either going to pass or I'm going to read your obituary. That's that. And mm -hmm. so it comes down to your conviction and what you want in life and how deep you're going to go into life and how much life you're going to absorb through that conviction. And mm -hmm. I feel that one of the missing ingredients in resilience to face adversity is people, you got you to gotta have conviction, man. You, you got to want to do, not think you got to go do and to go do you got to go want to do it hard and if you're if you're into something that is creating adversity and you quit at 50 percent in you didn't have enough conviction but the, the the beauty of conviction is conviction will create an outcome of facing adversity but it will also create something inside of yourself it's a new language understanding yourself on how much you're willing to sacrifice how much you're willing to put sweat, blood, and tears on the line and just keep putting it on the line, irrespective of not seeing the finish line or not. It's just you're all in, all the chips. And so few people have put all their chips in enough to understand that, you know, there's a price to be paid to get a lot of resilience. Yeah. It's really interesting how the society now is prioritizing making catering to to softness and and mistake or mixing up you know self-care with cutting yourself too much slack and and so i think what's important to understand is that generally speaking the average person does not need to worry about overtraining you know if we're looking at a physical in the physical realm in the same in the same token generally speaking the average person does not need to cut themselves a break they don't need an extra break 
They need to double down is what they need to do. (laughs) The average person needs to double down. And and right now, if you go essentially in this this cancel culture that we have going on, if you go out and you even speak those words that are, it's profanities almost, right? Like it's, it's, it's so frowned upon. It's like, no, working harder isn't necessarily going to make you to make you uh, successful. Yes, correct. Working harder, do, working harder doing the wrong thing isn't going to do that. But it's the only way to achieve whatever it is, level of greatness that you are seeking or optimizing your own performance. It doesn't have to be in comparison to anybody else. But, but what we are now is a society of victim. And in that society of victim, we are consistently cutting ourselves breaks when we should be cutting ourselves less break. <laughs> not more yeah, right. Right. and you know i think it's being uh mis uh categorized or misrepresented uh, uh there's a there's a movement afoot right now i forget what the term is it's starting to kick off in uh, asia and it's been going for a while and it's uh, i forget the term but uh, basically it's lay on your back for the for the uh, majority of the day like don't move don't do anything just like it's uh not not quiet quitting it's uh something more than that it's it's quiet quitting on life or whatever i forget what the term is but uh, basically it's this like do the opposite of being resilient and so um i the culture out there that frowns upon um really really pushing yourself generally tends to open the sentence with why would you work that hard at work what don't it's an institution don't work for the man don't don't spend an extra hour or two at work it's 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 not for you it's for the man but that's a distortion of uh creating resilience uh, listen i kind of agree you you shouldn't you shouldn't work for an institution that doesn't care for you that hard uh what you should do is you should leave on time if if the company doesn't care for you uh, or you don't care for the company you should leave on time and then start developing some resilience for yourself. Like, don't don't take the sentence of uh, quiet quitting to mean quiet quitting on life. You can quiet quit at the institution that you don't care about, I suppose. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying I suppose you can do that. But don't distort it into now it's a 24 and 7 quiet quit on you. You should never quit on yourself. In fact, you should double down. I agree. I and think there's – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Seb. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, for me, there's even more, there's something to be said about having difficulty working for a certain organization or for a certain boss or whatever the case may be, that makes me want to figure it out. It makes me want to figure it out. What am I missing here? What can I internally change to optimize my relationship within the context of this job with this boss that's really difficult? And I found myself over the years in a situation where I, I was the only one that could work with a boss. Like, literally, everybody else is just falling apart at the seam. And I'm like, the reason why this is occurring is because you're trying to change that person instead of changing you. And so for me, even if things aren't right and the circumstances are right and all of those other things, if you focus on yourself and the things that you can do to optimize the growth through this difficult relationship, let it be at work or whatever the case may be, you can almost always come back stronger and better. But as soon as you say, well, I don't even like that organization anyway, so I'm going to cut some corners. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're actually, you may be affecting the company's bottom line. I'll give you that, but you're affecting your bottom line. Also. Agreed. I agree. I, I, I was, I, I was reluctant to put it across that way, 
but I only did it that way so that people could kind of synchronize with the this thing that's going on out there. But I'm in full agreement that if it's tough at work, freaking figure it out. Get get harder, get more resilient. Suck up that adversity and figure it out because the problems at work are are the parallels of the problems in life. And and if you if if you can't figure it out at work, then you can't figure it out in life. But if you if you aren't working on yourself because work isn't working for you, then what are you left to work with? You're not, you're not, you're not nailing it at work. You're not nailing it in yourself. You're not nailing it in life. When do you nail it? You're a victim. You know? Victim. Yeah. I was going to say that um, it's actually kind of interesting because it goes right back. This is why physicality is such a great um, allegory for resilience as a whole, because it's, it's built upon small increments, like literally built upon small increments. So if you can't lift a hundred pounds right now, you can work your way up to a hundred pounds to a point that a hundred pounds is no issue for you anymore. And that way, if something happens that you need to pick up, say a hundred pound small person and run with them, you'd have that capability to do that. Um, but that uh, works but getting in... back to what we were saying earlier, you can't work your way up to a hundred pounds and think, check in yes, the bag. exactly that's what for I was gonna the say, rest of my life if you don't go to the gym after that when i was 20 right? check i'm 16 i'm good to go dude you're you're you can't surpass you literally you you're only as good as the last time you face adversity and yeah. how you reacted to it i don't care how much adversity you faced all this good stuff because it is a perishable skill and if you've been comfortable for too long and it happens and you're falling apart at the seams you know, you, you have an issue on your hands, like a serious issue on your hands, and you, you just can't have that. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to, it's an even worse situation as I see it, because a resume is not resilience if you're not repeating it every day. And so, three R's. And um, the idea being that if, if back in the day you were resilient and you sat on your hands for a decade and you're still thinking that you're resilient, the moment that you need to be resilient and you're half the man that you thought you were, how do you mm -hmm. think that plays out in your head? Yeah, it's a very negative cycle. That's for sure. And <laughs> I can speak from experience. It's not, uh, it does not help in any way. Um, I do have a bunch of comments here, but any other thoughts real quick? Good to go. Comment, okay. buddy. All right. We got um, Tanya from earlier during the video. Uh, she said, uh, I would gently put forth the suggestion that it's guided slash progressive overload of adversity or being able to be upskilled and then contextualized it contextualize it after i agree uh, i agree to some extent except every once in a while it's got to be the complete opposite of gently it's mm. got to hit you like a thunderbolt right upside of the right temple and floor you and and you should be left like blinking and wondering what just happened from time to time i think that's a, a great great use of competition as well like if you're in a particular sport or something like that, you can utilize, especially jujitsu as being one of them. If you think you're really good at jujitsu, go to hit the competitive mats. <laughs> That'll uh, shock you sometimes if you're not training for it. Um, to Sean's point, do it when you've never competed and do it when you've never done com competitive training. Yes. I, 
Dude, I used to do this all the time. I wouldn't be running for six months because I'd be doing other things, CrossFit, whatever. And eventually I'd be like, I'm going to put my running shoes on today and do 32 kilometers. And people were like, you haven't, you haven't ran in however long. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not there to test my running. I know my running is not where my running should be. I, what I want to test is my gut. That's right. You know? Gut like checked. That. 100%. Yeah. Um, uh, then we got uh, Martin Dominic. He says, did many winter warfare training in the Van Dues and winter rescue ops as SAR. And the number one threat is always the element. Arctic survival skills are your best weapon. Yeah. Always. 100%. Mm -hmm. The skills, yeah. not yeah, the, the stuff. Uh, the skills, maybe. The mind, definitely. Mm -hmm. 100%. You, can, you can put a guy out there in his underwear. And if he's tough enough, he'll freaking figure it out. He'll have he'll have birch bark for shoes. He'll have <laughs> pine cones for a helmet. He'll, you know, you'll figure it out. You'll figure uh, it out. You've got to yeah. be tough. You don't need the skills. The skills are a bonus. The skills will make you survive longer. But you you can have all the skills in your back pocket. And if you ain't tough, prepare to die. Yeah. yeah. But if on the other side of that, you can be super tough and have zero skills and you can still die. <laughs> so it, handy to have, especially yep. in the Arctic. That's for sure. Um, Tanya then go hits us with, uh, I've heard studies show, show during selection, soft guys are able to return to a parasympathetic, parasympathetic yep. state after a beatdown. Yep. What things do or did you employ employed to downregulate? Perspective. Mm, I like that. that I did me, nothing. I did nothing except do me, do my job yeah, but, as I was taught. Yeah, but the reason why you're capable of doing you is because you've been in those other situations Correct. before. So that's perspective. Is Correct. A, you know, experience, like, yeah. And so experience, yeah. Perspective through or, or perspective through experience. Yeah. And so for me, that's exactly what this is. It's like I've been down these roads, these rabbit holes before where I thought everything was done. I was over. I couldn't do this and that. And I continued going for 300 times you know, 300% more than I thought I could. And I wasn't even scratching the surface of where I could have gone. So mm -hmm. my mind is always going back to that. This is nothing compared. And this is the reason why in the soft courses, if you look at assaulters course, and generally speaking, regardless of the country that's running their soft programs, it's generally when guys are finding themselves in certain situation in combat, they will refer to their training and say, I, I actually had a harder time during hell week or whatever the case may be. That's you know? right just because they have something to contextualize it against. And so that bank of, of, of perspective, you can build it daily and then throw all kinds of stuff in there. And eventually it will come back when external factors, it goes back to exactly what I was talking about earlier. Be able to use your internal inoculation to benefit you when external factors are hitting. You know, the science of a parasympathetic and uh, down-regulating and all of that good stuff, it's amazing. It's amazing that this knowledge is out there. It's amazing that we can use it in sentences. But when I was in the game, those words didn't exist. No one ever said the word down-regulate uh, unless they were confused. Uh, so the idea for me is this. We weren't taught anything other than get on with cracking out home runs in your job freaking get after it and day after day week after week year after year you just get used to adversity you get used to being resilient you get used to thinking about something that's directly in front of you like this i've done harder yeah. if you can say that casually as i can uh, throughout most of my life i've done way harder than this whatever bring it you dummies uh, that's how I think. 
but you've got to do stonking hard stuff to be able to just pull that casually out of your hip pocket and say, whatever, this is, this is a joke. Um, you've just got to do incredibly hard things a whole pile of times to then be able to look at the world and, and see it as a non-factor. Yeah. So have you got anything else on that? Yeah. What, what's also interesting when it comes to adversity is people are wanting to go through life comfortable with sometimes realizing that sometimes they face adversity. I'm the other way around. I realize that I need to constantly face adversity in order for the comfortable time for me to be grateful for the comfortable times. <laughs> and so how you take your comfort for granted or you take your life as, as it were, if it's going well and you're kind of flying high and you're on top of the world. Whereas I'm like, I'm so grateful for these moments here because I know that around the corner is a continuation of an adversity piece in whatever form that might come. But whatever comes out of those gates, you know, we, 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 you just have to be prepared for it. But you also need to understand that it's never stopping. Ultimately, this life is finite. So all we're going to experience is the, you know, positive, uh, you know, positive emotion associated with feeling good and, and doing certain things. And we're going to have adversity you know, at, at, at various levels, depending how lucky or, <laughs> or, or where you are, because there is an element of luck, like it's called a spade a spade, right? Like if your grandma died when you're nine, like there's nothing you could have done about that. So there's luck there if it hasn't happened. But the point is stop waiting for life to stop throwing adversity your way and just work on being so much stronger for when the adversity comes out. Yeah. Yeah, in my hometown, uh, a few days ago, a guy, uh, I, I, he bumped into me on the sidewalk. He said, hey, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? Uh, dude, you look like, uh, you look burly. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, you're looking shredded. I said, okay. Uh, what are you training for? And I just looked him square in the eyes and said, dude, life. And then I went to the grocery store. That's how I feel, man. I mean, I, there's no events lined up for this week or next week or next year or whatever. I've never stopped training, ever. Ever, ever, not a week in my life have I ever stopped training since before I joined the army. So that's a pretty solid number of decades where I understand that life is the mission. Uh, and uh, there's no real need to create an artificial event to work towards. If you, I mean, if you got to do that, do that. But I just look at every day as a day to be a little mm, tougher. All right, we got a couple more comments and then we'll do some final thoughts and then we'll uh, shut her down for the day. Tanya carries on with uh, Western society wants to reserve the innocence of childhood until that person dies of old age and also is willing to sell their kid's childhood for TikTok videos. <laughs> this is a great point, though, that do you want to preserve the innocence of childhood until the person dies, which that's that search for the um, the fountain of youth, right? Is Peter the, Pan. Exactly. Uh Salty and Jinx. That's, that's, oh, prior, sorry, that's prioritizing longevity over intensity, which is, in my opinion, the worst way to live life. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's um, survival versus it's, living, it's right? It's feeding because... tube, man. Lay on your back, put in an IV, and start watching Netflix. Yeah. It's actually, you know, if you were to ask that around the internet, I think you'd get more people that would uh, say, yeah, absolutely hook me up, than uh -huh, people would say sure. no. Yeah. That's called um, the Matrix, by the way. Yes, it is indeed. Um, Salty Jinx says, but there's a flip side to that. 
in that a person can find and rebuild small pieces and habits one at a time until they crawl their way back through post-traumatic growth to find their own resilience. Okay. And I absolutely, I, I think it's not really a flip side though, is that that's how you build resilience. Well, that only is. if you know that that's what you're doing. I mean, as, as Salty James just said, uh, to find their own resilience, you can only like, okay, you, you can treat it like a lottery that hopefully one day you figure out what you're actually doing. It just shows up one day. Oh, that's what I was doing. Or you can intentionally sit down and consider how you want to run your program, how you want to run your life. And uh, as I read Faulty James there, he understands that you you don't find your resilience in a crackerjack box. You freaking create it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's a choice, not an accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Salty Jinx then says it takes time and willingness to do it, though. And that is yep. the, the patience it, to allow the time. Sure. and that as it should because mm -hmm. anything that came fast and easy ain't resilience yes absolutely um tanya says here we go in physical therapy i learned oftentimes a tight slash painful muscle is a weak muscle it doesn't need gentle massage it needs to be strengthened at all ranges mm -hmm. that is a great point and it's a great allegory for resilience across the board in all of the pillars i think if there's a weakness and uh there's a stoic quote, the obstacle is the way. <laughs> uh, Martin Dominic says, Sean, yes, the will to live. 100% yes. is will. Uh, and Chris K, last one, great episode. I just want to say hello, enjoy out Pegasus. Check. Absolutely. Those that don't know, Sean is going to be attending and Seb's going to be Seb. attending Operation I'm looking forward to Pegasus seeing you, Jump. buddy. Do I see you tomorrow? Time. Or are we uh, seeing each uh, other 12th. today? Uh, the 12th. Check. Well, there you I'm, go. In, uh, I'm in the Powell River until the 12th. So I'm going to do a lot of training. I got a stupid hike in last night, which stopped me from sleeping all night. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> saw that. My, my leg was screaming at me. <laughs> you were building resilience. Building <laughs> resilience right Dude, there. When I, went, when I went dead quiet, nobody spoke to me. They were like, let, let him be in his cave in his uh, pain. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a good place to be sometimes yeah. Yeah. yeah um so let's do some uh final thoughts i guess on pillars of resilience or adversity or really anything else we talked about today Seb? yeah i mean we didn't you know we didn't launch into the actual pillars one at a time or whatever and really there, i don't think there was ever a need for it as long as we're well-rounded you know we we, we can have a, a general conversation without so much structure but I mean, I think it would have it, there would be some value in the in the future to kind of go through through the other three and Absolutely. just kind of you know, for lack of better terms, provide some 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 sense of of a roadmap. Uh, but I think we we did that. We implied a lot of the things that we have been this, we would have been discussing anyways in in the context of this conversation here. So I'm pretty confident with that. Mm -hmm. Sean, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with the way the conversation went in respect to uh, the general theme of, man, you want to build your resilience in any pillar? Uh, yeah. You got to go do hard things. You got to face some adversity. You you just got to stop whining. You just got to, for lack of a better term, suck it up every day for a whole pile of time until sucking up hard things is no big deal. Um, I think that uh, we should, to Seb's point, come back and touch on the other pillars uh, because I feel that uh, they they in them and of themselves could be uh, individual podcasts for sure, mm -hmm. individual episodes for each pillar. Just just as this one was um, 
to some degree uh, a little conceptual. We didn't uh, give any real actionable items or, or, or a roadmap, as Seb uh, said. So perhaps we can build this out in the future with some more tangible uh, things delivered. Can absolutely set that up, no problem. I will, uh, I'll get the four specifically off the APA site and then we will break those down Roger. easily, no problem. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to add. I think we hit uh, resilience and we hit uh, adversity, which is, that's really all there is to it. And I think really what we all really need to do in life in terms of adversity and resilience is seek it at the very, at the bare minimum, just seek some <laughs> and then keep working on it from there because nothing starts. You can't just say, you know, I want to be resilient. And then like you guys said, hope that it shows up at the door. You got to actually go do it. So you have to be able to learn new things. You got to be able to build yourself up and you got to grow into who you're supposed to be every day. You do that with us here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo. See you, everybody.